Welcome to Marketing Tales with Chris Raposo, a podcast created to spotlight and highlight marketers, tell their stories, and share their knowledge with those interested in all things marketing. If you're interested in more than just the cut and dry strategies and tactics and want to learn more about the human side of his guests and how they got to where they are today, then this show is for you. So we talked about the importance of peer validation. How important is client feedback in the chamber submissions process and how does chambers effectively collect and incorporate this feedback in their research? Client feedback is very important. Um, If you're trying to obtain a ranking for the first time, it's even more important because, you know, the volume of submissions information that Chambers receives these days is very high. So I used to research, for example, uh, corporate M&A in one of the largest jurisdictions uh, that Chambers has, and we would receive like 250 submissions for, you know, I don't know, 40, 50 ranked law firms. So it was virtually impossible for me to analyze 250 submissions. The first cutoff point is, you know, having good referees talking about you. That's kind of the way that Chambers will light a green light and then say, oh, this is an interesting law firm. Let's look at their submission. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Marketing Tales show with Chris Raposo. Today, I have the honor to welcome Marco Guasti coming to you from London, England. Marco, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Chris. It's lovely to be here. Awesome. So Marco, I always do my research uh, on my guests on LinkedIn and I, I saw that you're very well educated. You have a master's of law from the University College in London, and you also have a master's of philosophy from Kingston University in London. And you've worked in the legal sector for over 10 years in various positions. And you recently founded Harper Legal Marketing in the summer of 2021 during the height of COVID. What made you decide to get into legal marketing and open your own agency? Uh, Good question. So, um... To be perfectly honest, I went to the UK for the first time to uh, study international law, and then I was looking for a job after that, so I was hired by Chambers and Partners, and I worked there for about two years, um, first doing all the rankings for Europe, Latin America, a little bit of the US, um, and then uh, also did their conferences. Um, I was their conference producer for a while. Um, so that was very interesting. I got to network a lot, et cetera. Um, and then uh, I realized there was a gap in the market, um, you know, a, a way to assist law firms to understand a bit better, you know, how the legal rankings work, how can they uh, improve their rankings, uh, how to assist them throughout the process, et cetera. So I teamed up uh, with um, a former partner uh, who, who also used to work at Chambers, We built our company um, and it um, started doing very well. And then she left uh, to go work for a law firm. Um, So so then I kind of started running the company by myself. Okay, awesome. Tell us a little bit about Harper Legal Marketing and what you offer. Currently, so we started really as a legal directory consultancy um, and it was me and my partner, my former partner. And then uh, when she left, I really started... um, you know, hiring a lot of people. And uh, currently we have 35 lawyers in our team. So I only hire lawyers um, because I think it's easier uh, in some sense to, 
help lawyers understand what marketing is, um, kind of train them towards um, the goals uh, that we have in our company, be that legal directory work, be it, uh, you know, social media. So we also, so in terms of services, we do legal directory work, we do social media, we do branding, uh, we do RFPs, presentations, etc. But I still think it's easier to kind of teach a lawyer uh, what marketing is and, um, you know, give them courses, um, even invest uh, in uh, um, post-grad uh, schooling for them, which is something we do at Harpa. I think currently there are like five people studying uh, marketing at Harpa. It's easier to do that than kind of to teach the law to a, a marketeer in, in my humble opinion. So I really want us like the ethos is we want to really understand our clients. We don't work with anyone that isn't a law firm. So, you know, if you're a hospital or if you're a school or whatever, or maybe if you're a law school, um, we, we, uh, we don't consider working with you. So the idea is we really understand what our clients are doing because we've been on their side um, and that's how and why we can assist them uh, hopefully with a nice level of excellence. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I worked eight years in the legal industry as a paralegal, and I know the nuances that it, you know, and the different ways to approach a lawyer. So if you have somebody that's already been in that industry and knows how to talk to the audience, it's easier than somebody who doesn't necessarily know how to approach a, a legal, a, a, a law professor or, or, or an attorney, right? So it's a, it's a, it's a certain way to approach these uh, professionals. So you said that you worked at Chambers and Partners the world's leading legal ranking and insights intelligence company. So let's just focus the episode on that um, and talk some of the best practices for chamber submissions, since that's something your agency specifically focuses on. So can you tell me how important is chambers rankings for law firms in today's competitive landscape? And is it only for big law firms or can small law firms get into the game as well? Great. Um... So to be honest, I think the importance of a ranking, be it a Chambers ranking, a Legal 500 rankings, there are other rankings, you know, in the US there are best lawyers, um, there are sector specific lawyers, uh, rankings like uh, IFLR, IP stars, there's a whole gamma of possibilities. But I think the greatest value is that it is a third party um, neutral assessment of the quality of the work that you do. Um, I think the greatest value is for you to, you know, put this information on your website, on your RFPs, on your presentations, um, for you to maybe put it, put those rankings on social media, etc. I think that's where the real, real value is. I'm not, and this is, you know, something, my particular opinion, I'm not 100% sure that you know, clients or potential clients access these websites on a daily basis to select the law firms they're going to work with. I mean, I could be wrong. There's not a lot of data on it. I, I have data on how many people access the websites uh, on, a, on a monthly basis. So we're talking about around 300,000 people worldwide accessing Chambers, Legal 500 uh, websites um, per month. I think the majority of the people that access these websites are other lawyers. Um, so one thing that can come off of that is, you know, finding partners in other jurisdictions. So do you want to, you have a client that you need to refer to in another jurisdiction, you want to find strategic partners, etc. I think that can be useful to think that, you know, thousands of clients are going to rain down from the sky just because you got a ranking. 
I'm a bit skeptical about that and I work in this field. So I think the value is a bit more um, related to how you market your rankings. Yeah, it's all about that social proof when it comes to finding a lawyer. So that really helps to put that on your website to show, hey, we've been selected. It's it's prestigious and you can trust us. This big organization trusted us. You can trust us as well. So that'll help them take the next step in the sign-on process. Exactly. And I, I mean, to be honest, uh, I've had many clients uh, face this where, you know, they're participating in, you know, a, a bids or something like that um, for a big company, uh, be it, you know, a company that's uh, Fortune 500 or uh, that's in the stock market or something like that. And in those cases, these companies do have statutory requirements that if we're hiring outside of our jurisdiction, we need to have a ranked company, um, a ranked law firm uh, on the other side. So uh, that does exist. Um, and, and I've seen many cases of it. So um, I think that is an important and intrinsic value to, to having a ranking. So if, nobody, if somebody's never done a chamber submissions before, can you walk us through the chamber submissions process uh, from a perspective of a legal marketer? What are the key steps involved? Perfect. So um, really, uh, there are three uh, steps uh, to, or, or at least three pillars to obtaining a ranking. Uh, you need to send in a submission, and I'll explain what that is. You need to send in a referee list, and I'll explain what that is and you need some uh, peer recognition um, that you will obtain from other ranked lawyers and law firms in that market. So, uh, and this is divided per practice area. So uh, what do you need to do if you want to be ranked in tax law in Philadelphia? Um, you need to send in a submission which will showcase the 20 most relevant cases you had in tax law um, in Philadelphia in the past 12 months. Now you could be aiming for a regional ranking, so a ranking in Philadelphia. You could be aiming for a nationwide ranking, so a US nationwide ranking um, in tax law. Um, or you could be aiming even for a global ranking, so being one of the best global law firms around the world. And I think it requires some assessments and some genuine assessments of where you are now, where your cases are now, how complex are the cases that you're handling. Um, in order for you to kind of gauge uh, what you should be submitting to. And my inclination and my tip is always look at the rankings, see if the other ranked law firms are law firms that you know or that you come across with or that you think that the cases that you handle are at their level. I think that is something that's, you know, particularly relevant, important, um, for you to kind of understand if you have a real shot at it. But basically, sending a submission in means sending the 20 best cases you've had in that practice area in the past uh, 12 months. Um, then the referee list is going to be a list of uh, 12, uh, hopefully clients, 12, 20, hopefully clients, um, that can talk about the work you've developed in the past 12 months. Now, these people don't necessarily need to be clients. They can be um, other stakeholders. So they can be, for example, um, uh, say you're applying for public law. They could be public regulators. The, uh, say you're applying for uh, a contentious practice, so litigation. They could also be judges or they could be um, members of other law firms you've worked together with in a case. 
So basically the referee list uh, is a list of individuals that will be able to refer uh, the quality of your work to the legal directories. Directories really value clients here, but they also uh, accept other types of individuals. Mm -hmm. And then third um, is getting a little bit of peer, fee uh, peer feedback or peer validation that your firm or you yourself as an individual lawyer um, is known uh, or are known, um, your firm is known or you as a lawyer uh, or both of you are known uh, within this field. And there is a shortcut to that, which is, so how the process will normally work is, in the first year, you'll send in a good submission, you'll send in a good referee list, chambers will talk to the referees, they'll see, okay, you're handling interesting cases for interesting clients, they'll look at your submission, they'll say, okay, uh, there are interesting cases here. And then the next year, they're going to say, okay, you possibly have potential to enter the rankings. So in the following year, they're going to start asking about you um, to the market. Now, this can take one year, this can take two years, this can take three years until Chambers thinks, okay, you actually have potential. We're going to ask the market about you. So one way to kind of shortcut this is look at the rankings, see if you know any of the ranked lawyers, see if you have a good relationship with them, and if so, include these rank lawyers in your referee list. Not many of them. I'd say maybe, you know, if we have 20 names in the referee list, I'd say five, refer five uh, lawyers tops, maybe less, three. Yeah. But if these are well-known lawyers, well-ranked lawyers, and these people are already going to start talking about you, Mm -hmm. uh, this can help shortcut your rankings because uh, this third aspect, this peer recognition is going to be there from the get-go. So a lot of people pay a lot of money for these insights, but here, here we are. <laughs> wow, that is an extensive pro process. Um, I'm sure that a lot of people, when they hear that, they may give up from the start. They don't even want to participate in this. Um, so what are some of the challenges that law firms typically encounter during the submissions process and how do you help them overcome these challenges and obstacles? Perfect. So I think one, the main challenge is uh, not getting frustrated and believing and understanding that this is a mid to long-term game. I mean, the probability that you're going to get ranked in the first year is very low unless you are, you know, a former high court judge, that just left and built his or her law firm and you're very well known, you're leading cases, etc. Um, you're not going to get ranked in the first year. So it does take time. I mean, two years is the bare minimum. Uh, it's probably more than that. So consistency is uh, key. From the perspective of a legal marketeer, um, a really tough thing is to get lawyers to sit down and write down their most relevant cases. So explaining to them the importance of taking this time and kind of uh, providing uh, you with the information you need to, to write the case up is, is, is very important. And I think the gap we tend to get here is they really want the results, they really want to get a ranking, understandably it's hard for them to take time to do this because you know they're handling complex cases they're talking to their clients they've got tons of other priorities in their life so uh, i think there are a few ways that we can assist lawyers with this work one is 
if you're an in-house marketeer, maybe take some time to sit down with that lawyer, arrange a call, arrange a meeting, one hour, sit down with that person and kind of write down the five, 10, whatever most important cases that particular partner had in that field, and then help him write those cases up. And if you have a legal background, you'll probably have more success in assisting uh, them by writing the cases. Yes, and they always fall under the pressure of those billable hours, right? And then, then making time to do the submission, you know, it's like, okay, what's more important? Where's the ROI coming from? Is it coming from the cases or is it coming from the submission? Um, so having a way to persuade them and giving them a, a vision of what could happen and how positively that submission or that ranking could affect the firm in the long run is also very important as you approach a lawyer about helping you with that. Now, you have to get 20 cases, and I'm sure that some of these cases and some of these clients may not always be willing to cooperate and want their case out there. So can you share some effective strategies for collecting and presenting impactful case studies that would impress Chambers researchers. Yeah, so one thing that's relevant to point out is, one, you can send all the information in as confidential, at least in the submission. So, um, of course, you are still divulging this information to a third party, right? And they don't sign any NDAs, but there are no cases of um, uh, publications of confidential information that um, had been placed as confidential in the submission and was published. So there are no cases of that. And there are no cases of data breaches or data leaks, but that's always a risk we have to keep in mind. So one thing is send all the information in as confidential if you're afraid that anything might be published or anything like that, that won't affect your rankings. You can still be ranked tier one even if you send all your conf uh, information in as confidential. A second strategy is, I mean, you can omit clients' names. So uh, there are basically two options, right? You give the name of the client. So let's say you work for, I don't know, Ford or Volkswagen or whatever it is. You can put the client name and then give the least amount of detail about the case. Just say, ah, oh, we assisted them with a highly complex M&A worth a lot of money. And that won't get you very far because the researcher will not be able to understand the relevance of the case. Or you can omit the client name. So you can say uh, large international car manufacturing company based in Germany or based in the US or not even give the country if you're not comfortable with that. But then explain, you know, this was a very complex M&A involving two of the main uh, competitors in the field, uh, very high value case, um, et cetera, et cetera. So there is a way. So between giving more details about the case, but omitting the name of the client and uh, keeping the name of the client and giving very few details about the case, give more details about the case. Um, just one final point in relation to this. Most of the researchers normally are not jurists. So they're not lawyers. They weren't, they didn't study law. They're normally journalists or sometimes historians or sometimes, you know, geographers or they studied languages at university. So that's why they're researching a specific country. Maybe they studied Spanish at Cambridge or they studied um, Germany at LSE. They live in London and then they start researching, you know, law in Germany or law um, in, you know, Latin America. So the crucial aspect is 
how do we write a case in a way that's engaging and interesting to someone that's a non-jurist and essentially a journalist? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. You want to speak, uh, you want to maybe cut the legal lingo out a little bit and make it more understandable for the common folk out there. Um, so we talked about the importance of peer validation. How important is client feedback in the chamber submissions process and how does chambers effectively collect and incorporate this feedback in their research? Perfect. So client feedback is very important. Um, if you're trying to obtain a ranking for the first time, it's even more important because you know the volume of submissions information that Chambers receives these days is very high. So I used to research, for example, uh, corporate M&A in one of the largest jurisdictions uh, that Chambers has, and we would receive like 250 submissions for, you know, I don't know, 40, 50 ranked law firms. So it was virtually impossible for me to analyze 250 submissions. So one thing that's kind of the first um, uh, cuts, uh, I, I don't know how to say this, but the first um, validation that Chambers will look for is, are there clients talking about this law firm, talking about this lawyer, and are these relevant clients? So the first cutoff point is, you know, having good referees talking about you. That's kind of the way that Chambers will light a green light and then say, oh, this is an interesting law firm. Let's look at their submission. So, um, yeah, you can have an amazing submission. If no referees talk about you, it's very hard to get that first green light lit up. Um, also, referees are kind of neutral parties in some sense. Um, so don't think that all your clients are going to speak well about you. I mean, a lot of clients say, you know, they're good at this, but they're bad at that. They lost... Um, they lost the deadline here, but, you know, they managed to close the case in the end or, you know, they do a lot of comparative uh, analysis as well. So uh, in this sector, in tax law, you know, if you, you know, mentioned uh, if your referee is a big bank, for example, they might say, oh, we work with these three law firms. These guys are better at, you know, mass cases, which aren't so complex. These guys are very strategic. We hire them for the most complex cases. So clients do uh, give genuine feedback and this uh, ability to, to cross analyze firms is something that Chambers values a lot because it helps them analyze which type of firms uh, do what type of work. Um, so yeah, referees are, are crucial, man. So choosing good referees is essential. And my best tip here is Submissions and referee lists are separate documents. So in the submissions, we're going to put the, our best cases, our most interesting cases, our most high value cases, complex cases, etc. In our referee list, we're going to choose the people that are going to speak well of us, the people that are going to, you know, take the time to speak of us, people that like us, like our work, etc. Yeah, it's the same uh, spiel when you go about online reviews, you're right. You're not going to ask your disgruntled client to leave an online review. Ask the one who's really happy. So you, you pick those out uh, to make sure ahead of time that you get a favorable outcome there. So a lot of my listeners are small to medium-sized law firm, law firm owners. What tips would you give a law firm submitting to Chambers for the first time? Um, yeah, I think the first thing you should do is uh, look at the rankings that are pertinent to you. So if you're a small law firm in Florida, um, 
go look at the local Florida ranking in your practice area and think about the types of the type of work that you do most and that is most complex. So, I mean, I have lots of lawyers that will come to me and say, you know, I do everything. I do from, you know, corporate structuring to tax structuring, but I also get, you know, criminal law cases. And I mean, it's very hard, if not impossible, to be ranked these days in multiple uh, different areas of law. Chambers really wants to narrow down who are the most specialized lawyers in each practice area. So my tip is, you know, try to understand what is your niche, even if you work with more than one type of law, which kind of is inevitable in smaller jurisdictions or in smaller law firms. But what you want to do is kind of market yourself at least uh, four chambers or two chambers or, or before chambers as a specialist in a specific field. So what you want to do is kind of understand what your most complex is, complex cases were in the past 12 months. And are these going to continue being your most complex, interesting cases in the future? Um, and then look at the rankings. I mean, do you know people that are ranked there? Do you know the law firms that are ranked there? Do you see them uh, frequently or not? And that's kind of gonna help you gauge if you have a shot at that ranking or not. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you don't have a shot at Chambers, do you have a shot at Legal 500? If not, do you have a shot at IFLR? and kind of go through the list because, you know, there are different rankings that are more accessible than others. And these rankings are decent, reasonable rankings that do serious work. So yeah, uh, that's my recommendation. No, that makes a lot of sense. And thank you for sharing that. Can you share one example of how Chambers rankings has positively impacted a law firm that you have worked with? Just don't, you don't have to give the name, just an example. Yeah, I, I'd never give a name, um, but, um, so we have a, quite a few examples. Uh, we have one law firm, uh, specifically one lawyer uh, who's very close to us. And she, you know, has a very interesting boutique focused on IP and fashion law. And it's a very interesting uh, sector. And after she got her, uh, I, I'm not sure if it's a band one or band two ranking, but now she's doing congresses all around the world. She's connecting with lawyers uh, all around the world. She was just recently in Paris uh, for a very interesting Congress. So that really propelled her into a more international scene um, that has been very interesting for her. Um, and just another example that I have, um, it, it, it's a small regional firm and they were participating in a uh, bid to work for a very large uh, international US-based tech company. And they couldn't get to the second phase of the bid because they didn't have a ranking. And then they got a ranking and they called them and said, guys, we got the ranking. And then they went all the way through uh, to the final phase of the bid. Um, so, you know, it was a real concrete uh, um, example of how getting the ranking moved them forward uh, in the possibility of working for, you know, a very large uh, international client. So um, those are just two examples off the top of my head. Yeah, sometimes a ranking can be a key to unlock that, like you just said, to get you to the next level. So you never know, might as well just... It, it, it... Curiously, you know why they didn't uh, get the bid? Uh, because they didn't have um, a DNI um, uh, policy in place. So that's the next step that they're doing now. Um, so it was quite curious. I mean, uh, the client was happy with, you know, 
the type of work they were able to develop, etc. But I think you know, large companies are ever more uh, um, considerate about you know diversity and inclusion matters, etc. And they they didn't get to, they didn't get the bid because of that. So so we ended up helping them with uh, setting that up. So. I think it's a, it's an interesting uh, way the field is also evolving. You know, ESG topics and DNI topics are are ever more present. Um, yeah, it's everywhere. So you've got to be with the times. You know. Um, yeah. What is one important lesson that you have learned over the course of your legal marketing career that's vital to those wanting to get better at chamber submissions? Strategy. I'd say strategy is very important. Um, so let's say you have an M&A practice and you have, you know, 10 lawyers in your, uh, 10 partners in your M&A practice and you want to get ranked. Um, if you get a referee list and you divide it equally amongst these 10 partners, uh, you're going to have two referees per partner. Um, an average response rate uh, in a referee list is 50% response rate if we send all the referees an email when the research starts reminding them that they're going to be contacted by chambers and asking them a favor to please participate, etc. Then during the research, we remind them again that the research has started, that it would be great for them to help us, etc. If we do all that, we select good referees. We don't choose, you know, CEOs, presidents, directors, etc. because these people are not usually available. Then we do all this follow-up, etc. If we do a good job, we get 50% response rates. If we do an amazing job, we'll get 60, 70% response rates. It's very rare. I've never seen anything above that except one case when I was a researcher because the lawyers were responding on behalf of the clients and they got kicked off uh, the chamber's research because that's... Uh, uh, completely illegal in terms of, of, of the research process. So please don't ever respond on behalf of your clients. But point being that if we do a good job, we're going to get a 50% response rate. If we're dividing a list amongst 10 lawyers or 10, or 10 partners, that means one response per partner, which means we're not going to get anyone standing out in the eyes of chambers. So really, we need to be as strategic as possible. In the first year, first two years, if we can focus on one partner, two partners, maybe three partners, I'd say four, five partners is the most we should focus on. But four really is, is a nice number because then we got five names per partner, 50% rate means at least two or three comments per partner, at least someone is going to, to be highlighted. But the more we can be strategic, I mean, if we're choosing two names, then we have 10 names, which means five responses, which means two people really um, stand out. So part of always my initial conversation with the law firms is one, Let's be strategic in terms of the practice areas we're aiming for. Okay, you work with 10 areas of law, but where do you really stand out? Is it tax? Is it data? Is it tech? Is it, you know, environmental law? It's great. We want to be ranked everywhere, but we need to like focus our, because it takes time, it takes money, it takes investment from, you know, the time of the lawyers, the, the time of the marketeers. If you're hiring a consultant, you're also paying for that. So, be strategic in terms of the practice areas you're aiming for and be strategic in terms of the partners you're aiming to get ranked um, initially and then have a midterm, long-term strategy to 
start including more names after you get some recognition for the first lawyers you're trying to get ranked. That is, that is perfect advice, man. Thanks so much for sharing that. This has been such a rich um, episode. It's going to be a great resource for lawyers, legal marketers who want to get into the game of chamber submissions. What are some other resources you would suggest them uh, studying on or reading or watching? Perfect. So uh, the first I'd say uh, is, you know, go on our website. We have a little uh, do's and don'ts document you can download if you want. It's very simple. 20 pages uh, gives great tips. But I'd say more than that, go to the legal directories websites. I mean, go to chambers, uh, read their practice area definitions. So if you want to get ranked in tax, read what chambers considers to be tax law in the USA. Understand what types of cases you can submit and which cases you shouldn't submit. I mean, um, Legal 500, whatever uh, directory you're, you're going for, they do have material there. They have webinars you can watch. Um, there is information out there that can help you educate yourself. Um, so I'd say, you know, not all these websites are super user friendly. Sometimes you gotta kind of get into the nitty gritty there, but I mean, they are valuable resources and they, they will help you navigate the process. Awesome. So how can people get in touch with you to learn more about you, about Chamber Submissions or Harper Legal Marketing? So just uh, jot down our name on uh, Google. We should appear because we should have decent SEO. But if not, our website is harpamarketing.com. Uh, my email is marco at harpamarketing.com. Um, and yeah, just find me on LinkedIn as well, Marco Guasti. I mean, I'm always eager to chat. I frequently um, respond to queries regardless of, you know, uh, having contractual relationships with individuals or not. I mean, I love to help and, and have conversations. So I'm a pretty accessible human being. Awesome. And I'll tag you in the, in the recap so people can find you right away on LinkedIn to connect with you there and follow you. Um, Marco, that was such a rich episode. I thank you so much for your insights and for sharing your valuable information with the audience. And I just thank you for that. And I hope you have a great day, my friend. Thanks, Chris. I mean, thanks for the invite. Uh, it was really great chatting. And if you ever need anything, I mean, I'm always here. Uh, if you ever have any questions, just reach out. Much appreciated. Okay, you have a good day now. Thanks. Bye-bye.